Hello, and welcome to Nevermind the Pain Points, a podcast dedicated to helping you unlock your business challenges. Pulling on our network of clients, partners, experienced employees, and industry experts, we wanted to share with you our views and opinions on common business challenges. As a consulting firm that deals with these pain points on a daily basis, we thought we were well-placed to give insight on addressing these challenges. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another Claris's podcast. Today, what we wanted to talk about was the whole of the customer lifecycle, as some of you may know it as the order to cash, quote to cash, lead to cash world. That's something that we as a business have worked in for the last 10 years. I personally, as a principal consultant here, have worked in this area in my 16 years of consulting. And what we would love to share is our perspectives on the challenges that our clients are facing in this, but also in the new world that we recognize is there when it comes to lead to cash, order to cash, or as we mentioned, the customer lifecycle. I'm delighted to introduce my fellow podcaster here today, Anna. Yes. Hello, Simon. So yeah, I'm Anna and most of my experience lies in the delivery of lead to cash transformation. So we hope that you'll find it interesting to hear our perspectives on the concepts of lead to cash, but ultimately what makes it different. I think the challenging question that we wanted to start with was we believe that lead to cash is not just about a supply chain, but is actually more than that. It's actually related to how you make a meaningful experience impacting to a customer and how you make sure that the offering you're giving is actually fulfilled and therefore you make sure the relationship you build on the basis of your lead to cash journey is meaningful to your customers and obviously gets you money in the bank. I don't know if if you want to kick us off with just some ideas of how you think that has been reflected in the client work you've done so far. Yeah definitely so from the area of focus that I've been working in it's mostly at the point where the client has got to, okay, we've realized that there is a, a problem here and we want to try and improve what we've got. Most of that focus I've seen is focused on new customers. Mm-hmm. So how do we maybe convert more or how do we make better marketing campaigns to be able to market to specific individuals and how can we tailor that more to the customer? But one of the things I think that might be a little bit of an imbalance is around actually how do we keep the customers that we currently have and how do we make the experience better for our existing customers and then hopefully in future upsell or use their recommendations to to get new customers. I think that's a really interesting point. I think there's such a focus always on the leads when it comes to the lead to cash, but actually a lot of the cash comes from your existing base of customers. Are there any examples you could give or recommendations of where you've seen that being done well? So I would say not is specifically in a client world, but I guess as a customer myself, one of the examples I would say that I've seen is recently as people move more into a subscription culture, mm-hmm. there are some companies that I've seen do it so well. So it's a tailored communication every so often to myself to say, oh, would you like to change this? Would you like to update this? But it's not spam every single day. You've got something in your basket. How might you improve it? One of the ones I've seen recently that I've signed up to actually shows one of my social impact. So by using this product, you have saved X amount over the year for carbon, for example, water saved as well. So showing my benefit from using their product is also something that I've seen and has led me to recommend it to others as well, as well as what I would say is just having a great service. So such a flexible service that they provide. So I can say, oh, I'd like something delivered on this date. I'd like four boxes, three boxes. And if I don't need it, I can push the date out. So I'm not signed up to a delivery once a month. It is a, oh, I don't need it this month. I'll update it. 
Yeah, I think what you've touched upon is actually an interesting concept. When you talk about lead to cash, most people are focused on how do I convert a new lead to a new opportunity and a new sale? What we have been seeing, especially in the kind of clients we've been working with, whether it's public sector or consumer oriented, has been this subscription impact or like the focus on subscription. And that subscription can be what you may not think of one as, but whether it's a, I want to have this service for a year, I want to have every month this delivery coming to me, I want to have access to this service for a year. And I think what we found that some of our clients have been struggling with is that focus on need to cash has sometimes forgotten about the fact that there's a, a then a long year or even more. Ideal state would be maybe one to three years, but that then entails then a different kind of mentality when it comes to supporting that. Mm-hmm. And how you actually maintain that customer satisfaction over that time needs a little bit more of probably what we would call normally the software as a service mentality to it, which is being proactive in terms of preparing for the fact you've got a thousand deliveries due first of the month, every month. The fact you've got someone who is expecting to have 365 days a year access to a website. That's a little bit different in terms of the strategic directions of Leads Cash that I've seen before. And I think it needs that kind of focus. And if you get that right and you think about it more as how can we be proactive in it? How can we keep our customers happy? And it comes back to your point earlier around rather than being that new one, it's actually the existing customer because that is an existing customer. Keeping them happy is actually your absolute special moment. And I think that does need specific strategy, whether it's about tracking what customers are expecting, getting clarity around what their satisfaction is, what they're moaning about, but also being mindful of being proactive on it. Yeah, and I agree. And I think what you touched on there is going to be enabled by having a particular setup within whatever system you're using to support your lead to cash or order to cash journey and being able to actually segment and break down your individuals. So you can get all the way up, from example, from a really large account to understand who is that person who's buying that service say for example it could be a librarian within an overall organization or a stream of of libraries that is buying that so how do you tailor that service to that individual and that's going to come from how you break down and segment your customers within your accounts i think that's such an interesting point because i've definitely seen a shift in realization that although it may be easier and probably more enjoyed by the business to look at account level Mm -hmm. the reality is you're dealing with individuals within those accounts so whether it is oh, I am a librarian, as you say, buying books from a business every single year, or I am somebody who is buying a access to information services every single year or test kits for health reasons. I am an individual within an organization. And I think a lot of the challenges around need to cash is this kind of account level orientation, which has just come from the nature of the way that Salesforce systems are set up. That has actually caused a lot of people to get into a bit of a stuck scenario where they're like, wait, who are you? Where do you come from? Kind of scenario when you kind of call up when you've got a problem. And it comes back to that. If you are dealing with somebody six months down the line who may not have been the person who bought that service, they are the person receiving that service. So having some way in your business to genuinely understand who is calling, who is asking for support or who is buying from you, I think is becoming ever more prevalent as an important factor in being successful when it comes to need to cash, because that's what gets those renewals and back to that subscription economy of like, how do we actually make that happen? You need to be front of mind of, okay, it's honor who called. It's not just Clarissa who called. 
Yeah, exactly. And having that information will allow you to create those meaningful experiences and to be able to target those people at the right time. Mm-hmm. So bringing it into the kind of not-for-profit space, like at the moment, is hard times for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And for fundraising in particular, you have to be very specific with who you're targeting and who you're marketing at, because at the end of the day, it's going to be the people who have that really meaningful connection with the charity that are still going to give that maybe £5, £2, £10 a month because they really love that cause and it's really important to them. Whereas if you're marketing at Joe Bloggs over there who have no idea and just spamming everyone with over the emails, the connection through it is not going to be as valuable and you possibly might not get as much as you want from your fundraising campaign and maybe more people unsubscribing <laughs> than actually continuing their subscription. But it is funny because I feel like our conversation is sort of navigated from being what you might think, which is if you join this and you're expecting a lead to cash, we're actually talking a lot more around maintaining the customer base. And I think that is where the true success that we've seen our clients have lies is maintaining that customer base, really focusing on exciting, engaging with and driving the best service on a longer term and a longer campaign than probably would be your normal kind of product delivery orientation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what we see as being a vital element. One of the things that in my previous clients I've been working with is trying to sort of separate that difference between an individual product being delivered and just getting there and that being done to the long-term service relationship, whether it's a subscription service, whether, as I mentioned earlier, that kind of online access, that's the way the world is working now. So lead to cash is actually more lead to subscription, Mm -hmm. dare I say it in a weird way, because that's when you're laughing, because then you've got that ongoing commitment to cash. (laughs) You've got that ongoing commitment from your customers, but you have to equal that as a business. And I think that's where some of the challenges with an equal service that's ongoing, which is costly if you're not careful about how you manage that. Yeah. And from a business point of view, maintaining your existing customer base Mm -hmm. is cheaper than having to go out and generate all those leads, find new individuals, spend a lot of money on really expensive marketing campaigns. So that's going to be a way in which if you maintain your subscriptions and also use that recommendation base as well. Like, for example, one of the ones I've used recently as a consumer, I've recommended like four or five people because it's so flexible. Mm -hmm. It takes one of the things that I do on a daily basis off my mind. I don't have to go and buy this product in the shop. Mm -hmm. I don't have to think about it. And I've recommended it to my mum, my grandma. And that's what you want to get. And it's the same with, say, if you have a a book subscription service, it'd be like, so easy, fantastic. It comes every time I expect it to be there. there and then I guess on the flip side it's when you have bad experience with a subscription and maybe it doesn't come on time we have no idea you have problems with delivery say a product or actually we were talking about test kits earlier maybe your eligibility changes and you no longer have access to it you can feel very kind of outrageous probably the wrong word but as a customer you can be very vocal and damage that subscription service very very quickly through the means of today. So Twitter, yeah. social media, things get out there very, very quickly. It's not just the completing through and making sure that you've got that one order. It's ensuring that individuals have a good customer service and product as you go through. I totally agree. And I think I think this comes back to that point of lead to cash, dare I say it traditionally was once you got the cash, you're laughing. <laughs> Whereas actually a lot of this culture that we're talking about, the new business models involves, you've kind of open the door to the service that you're providing. So let's say someone's paying £120 for a year-long subscription. That's 
a year-long subscription you then have to support. The more proactive, the more effective you are at understanding the status of that, the better you are likely to survive those scenarios because they're not going to happen, right? So that complaint, that moment that it all breaks down, like if you don't get your magazine in September when you've signed up for a year, you are going to talk about that. And I think it's the same whether it's a business or a consumer-oriented world where if you can't get access to what you are entitled to, or what you were expecting to get entitled to, you are going to be shouting from the rooftops and being very annoyed. And I think that's where it's an interesting development or evolution, dare I say it, of the lead to cash scope that we have seen in Clarisys. And I think our clients are really trying to lean into us to help. And I think it builds on that subscription economy. It builds on that whole concept of really focusing on existing customers. One question I've got for you on is, I suppose, in terms of the challenges that you think that we have seen, we've gone through, obviously, a few years of, very unique, very challenging environments from a world global border perspective. I don't know if there's anything in terms of that challenge when it comes to the lead to cash you think is worth us thinking about as well. So I'd say, I guess, last couple of years, it's been very much focused on number one, COVID. And I guess borders being more difficult to cross from Brexit point of view. One of the areas that I think I can probably talk to a little bit more is around COVID testing. We didn't expect that to ever need to be a thing, a service. And even though it's not a, I guess, lead to cash in in a traditional sense, it's still a someone submits an order, it goes through to fulfillment and you are provided with your product at the end of the day, which in this case is a testing kit. And some of the difficulties I think that we found there was initially with like the scale so having to ramp up and scale so quickly to be able to then provide a website service, first of all. I mean, we're not a Glastonbury, weren't set up for Glastonbury numbers. So when people... I love the way you're connecting COVID to Glastonbury. Brilliant. <laughs> Don't know where you're going with that, but I love it. <laughs> um, but when you lock on, people were expecting to just be able to order their test, go through. They weren't expecting to have a waiting page or a holding page. Oh, yeah, that's um, so true. Yeah, it's basically yeah. the same as when you've got five laptops trying to get your yeah, tickets. to get your tickets. So here I we go. It. And I'm not saying it, it ended up being that point, but... In that case, it's the people struggled with actually the, the lead part. Mm. So it was very much a, I can't get access. I can't get on to order my test. See, yeah. And there was a lot in the background that happened, obviously, to scale up quickly. And we were not set up to be able to do that, I guess, initially. But in that case, there was a focus on that lead. And then after that, it was then recurring customers, well, customers in, in a way that, you, you know, you needed your daily testing that would help kind of sustain that if it was ever going to be a business in future. So I suppose just for those who might be listening, who are looking at that scaling challenge ahead of them, Is there anything from you going through that with the world of COVID testing that you could recommend or think about that you would think would actually help you with that? I would say it was very particular instance. So I think nobody knew how much everyone was, I mean, policy changed very, very quickly overnight. But what I would say is it's about understanding, again, your users and your customers. So if hindsight, you know, you had the time and there was a change in policy, which said, you know, in two, three years time, everyone needs to have access to this testing. You would go through and actually understand who those individuals are. How likely are they to be able to access this website at this time and ensure the right testing is in place to make sure that everyone can access it, stress testing and things like that, and then work from there. So again, it's coming back to that user base and understanding what their needs might be and when they might log on. So it could be, you know, after school times, for example, versus I can't remember exactly, but there were certain days where you'd see a shoot up in people ordering versus maybe on a midweek on a Wednesday when most people are in work and probably not ordering tests. So again, understanding user base and understanding their behaviors and habits would help with 
the level of scale that you would need to be able to have. So that's really interesting in terms of the actual kind of supporting the demand of requests almost. I love that analogy of being almost like a glass and break concept, but that's the dream, I suppose, for a lot of businesses, yeah. right? Is you've got that, that demand on your website. You're like, oh my gosh, we've got so many people wanting our product. Is there anything in terms of, I suppose, then the meeting of it? So imagine if you've got that scenario where, okay, we can cope with that. But then in terms of the demand on the supply chain and then the fulfilling of those orders, the managing of all the, let's not forget cash. <laughs> is there anything there that you think is worth sharing from your experiences in the last few years? For the last couple of years, there has been a greater expectation from consumers, from what I've seen, for people to be able to access things like then, there, very, very quickly. So, for example, when I was working with a client, it was all about being able to have access to particular subscription services online. So news articles, websites, pictures, things like that. Once you've signed up and you've got through, yeah, you'd expect instant access. But actually in the background, there's probably account set up. There is somebody who within the, you know, going through the process needs to permission that person to be able to access that or that account or that individual or that, as we said earlier, that overarching account. And it could be that on the system, there's a large account that actually already has access to that, but this individual doesn't. So again, making sure that you can do that as seamlessly and as quickly as possible for the individual or setting that expectations up front and being like, okay, it's going to take two, three days and then you'll have access. Here's a number to call if you don't get access by this point. So if you know it's going to take a little bit of time because of the background fulfillment aspect in your order to cash or lead to cash, then it's setting that expectation up front and saying, we'll get back in touch with you. If you haven't heard, then this is your contact number. There's nothing more frustrating on the other side of being told it's going to be this day, not hearing anything and then having no one to contact or having to go back through and sit on the phone for ages to try and get that access sorted. So there's a big focus on once that person, you've gone through the lead, you've got the opportunity, you've closed it off, you've got the contract all sorted, all that start permissioning, getting them that access really, really quickly. And then starting to look at how well did that go? How can we improve that going forward is one of the things that I would advise. I think that's really interesting the way you said that, like almost you want all of the external visible stuff to happen before all the internal complexity happens i think it's quite a hard thing to do but you're so right like the, the permissioning the getting people access instantly is what makes or breaks reality a deal right and i think it's interesting you highlighting that because it comes back to that point around the account versus individuals one of the things i've found with some of the clients i've been working with is this challenge around there is a very strong account level focus. So they know exactly who their accounts are, how much they're spending every year, what they're buying, what they're not. But reality is accounts don't call you up. People like Honor, people like Simon call you up and they go, where's my access to this? Why have I not got this particular subscription? Why have I not got this product? Why can't I access this service? And the biggest challenge that the clients I've been working with have been facing is the connection of those dots to reach that account is painful for the customer for that client so for example they ring up and they'd be like wait who are you where do you come from kind of thing and you're like well i'm from clarisis and i've got this account that i should have set up with this and and they're like oh yeah okay well who are you we don't know you we don't have you on your account and that is a challenge we've got because you've got this individuality of expectation from customers or consumers to have these services oriented around them but at the same time a lot of the lead to cash processes and the ways that everything has been established is very account heavy because 
that was the only thing we could do before. And I think as we get that evolution of like that transition from, okay, you'd no longer have to just deal with the account. You have to deal with the 300 people that are part of that account is a big step for a lot of our clients. And I think probably for a lot of people, hopefully listening to this might feel the same. There are ways around that, right? It's that customer centric data model. It's that customer centric stuff that sounds like just words, but that's when it comes to light and when it really hurts the business. Because if you're calling up, you're like, where's my access to this? And it's not there and they don't know who you are. You aren't going to say that's a great experience. And back to customer experience being the heart of all of success when it comes to repurchases, ongoing customer experience and ongoing, I suppose, conversion to cash. That's important. The other thing I was going to talk about was it's just leaning into a little bit of your experience when it comes to testing packs. One of the things I think we've discussed a few times in the last year or so has been the difference that we noticed when packs got swapped out with different companies and different businesses were suddenly appearing on brands. I think we were discussing a little bit around how that actually is a good strategy sometimes to have, which is you are still focusing on the service you're providing, the outcome that your customers have paid for. And admittedly, in the case of the test and trace, it was much more around a service in terms of testing, but it was still there. I don't know if there's anything worth sharing on that because I think it could be relevant to more than just testing packs. <laughs> it definitely is. What I would say is that in terms of our approach, we're initially thinking about the lead, then we're thinking mm-hmm. about the ordering and all the fulfillment. Yeah. But what if that fulfillment is a physical product and not just a service? Yeah. And I think particularly with test packs, for example, the outcome is you needed to be able to accurately test whether you had COVID or not. Mm-hmm. It could come from a provider over in Europe, it could come from a provider in the UK, as long as that test kit was fit for purpose, it didn't really matter where it came from. From a business point of view, you'd probably look at that and say, okay, so how can we maybe reduce the costs of these tests? Are there any that are particularly cheaper? Can they be manufactured in a slightly different way? Or is there a producer who is saying that they're going to be cheaper, but they still end up providing the same outcome for the individual? So with the test packs, for example, you did see there was a change. And I mean, we discussed it earlier, there was also change in like swabbing technique and things like that. And that's probably one that people actually did notice quite a lot. Whereas in other services or other products, when you're providing that it could be, say, flowers, people don't really know where they come from, but it could be a provider down in Kent. Or if you're needing to provide a flower service up in Manchester or Stoke, for example, you're going to try and get your flowers locally to try and reduce your costs, but still the outcome should be the same for the individual and I think that's the bit that businesses really need to hinge on yes swap them out try and change your cost try and reduce your cost at the moment there's a lot going on in terms of costs and it is quite difficult and for example if you're having struggles with borders can you try and procure that from from the UK but keep an eye on the outcome because if the product is not as good as someone getting it in London versus someone getting it in Stoke and Manchester you're still going to get that translation of bad recommendations or I wouldn't buy this again and that's still going to percolate but you're not kind of missing that so definitely switch it out and it's a good way of thinking about your bottom end of your leader cash and order cash point. I think it's something really interesting about the way you were talking about quality there so it's all well and good trying to keep your costs down but it comes back to that fact yeah we want to get the quickest conversion from a lead to cash as possible but the reality is you want to also get a repeat 
of that. And I think sometimes the best strategic direction could be, oh, we're going to switch out suppliers. They can do it for cheaper. I think some of us may already know about the story of Hermes changing their name because the brand was not good and switching out and trying to be as powerful as possible in terms of the delivery side. But equally, I think in terms of flowers, you know, if you don't get the right supplier of flowers, but they get there quicker, what's the actual benefit? And I think that's something that's interesting when it comes to the overall offer. Right. So we talked a lot around this kind of building a subscription economy. Subscription doesn't have to be an actual subscription. It can be actually looking at the lifetime of a customer and looking at like, okay, how often are they buying from us? Are they liking what we're doing? So back to your flower example, are they actually enjoying the flowers they have? Or are they like, yeah, that was nice, great gift, but kind of died in a few days. It's not going to result in you then ordering for the next birthdays, anniversaries and so on. That longevity of a customer is the equivalent probably of a subscription economy. The final thing I sort of wanted to talk about, or maybe not the final thing, but at least the final topic was the cash part. It's something that I found has been quite an interesting one with the clients I've been working with when it comes back to that account concept, which is how do you correctly manage the cash scenario when it comes to allocating to accounts, funding. And one of the watchouts that I think is just quite interesting to share was just we found there were a number of times where customers were very frustrated because they didn't have the credit as businesses to buy. They were told they hadn't paid. They were told that they were not eligible to buy until X had cleared. And they're like, well, that's nothing to do with me. That's the New York office. That's the UK office. And and it comes back to that concept of individuality of the customer, but actually in the concept of lead to cash and the customer experience in that. I think it's really important to think about how you allocate the cash that they actually give you <laughs> and just be mindful of the fact that sometimes that can go quite wrong and can completely ruin business relationships. And I think it's probably more relevant to the kind of business scenarios that we would talk about. So if I have signed up for something and I expect a service and then someone else is not paid in the same company, the fact I'm not eligible to that service is not because of me not paying, it's because they didn't pay. I don't know if there's anything more you want to add on that, but I think it's just an interesting point on the lead to cash journey is don't forget about how you're allocating the cash in the end and make sure that doesn't impact the customer experience and make sure that you don't impact or make it a negative experience because of that. Yeah, I think it really comes down to the accounts, the tracking, understanding, again, who your individuals are, particularly within the not-for-profits area, what I would just say relates to fundraising and and particular donors. There'll be some individuals who will say, I'm restricting my funds to go to this specific cause within this specific charity. And I have seen historically that it is quite difficult to match it up, still using spreadsheets and coding to try and match all up and at the end of the day you really want to be able to come back and say to that individual to provide that meaningful experience and to keep them donating to be like thank you so much for your donation it's gone to this specific area as you requested and this is what it led to and this was the impact that you have had if I get that as somebody who's given some money towards a charity I'm like oh that's really good you know I'm, I'm going to give that again for that particular cause or maybe next time I might go to another one and then also as a charity you could always say we had some funding we put your funding to hear this time but actually if you are interested we've got another area that actually could do with a little bit more funding so you can then use that insight and use that information and say to an individual oh there's something that's quite similar and associated that actually maybe you might want to put your funding towards next time but you can only do that if you connect up the individual that sent the money where it's gone through the charity and exactly what cause it's gone through so who's benefited from it and then eventually what impact that has had so 
it is really key to providing that meaningful experience, understanding where the cash goes. And I think it comes back to that point around customer data being at the dare I say at customer level. It sounds weird to say it, but I think too often we say, oh yeah, we've got customer data. And then you look at it and you go, oh, actually that comes back to that point. Like, actually that's not an individual customer. You don't actually know what their wants, their needs, their desires are. And therefore you can't target the next conversion you want to make. But equally, whether it's to do with, oh, Simon wanted to put forward money to build schools. And then it's suddenly gone into, I don't know, social centers, whatever, that's fine. But it's like being transparent about mm-hmm. that but equally if you've got an individual who's purchased a particular type of service from you before it's really important to capture that information so you can then go yeah we've got 300 customers from this one business but they're all buying differently they're all wanting different experiences different expectations different software different products and we need to reflect on that and be mindful of that yeah definitely i think just to close today's chat it's been really great to sort of hear the different perspectives on lead to cash. I'd love to get from you and maybe for our listeners what you think, Anna, that if you could recommend the top thing to think about when it comes to improving the overall customer life cycle, if we call it that, which includes test to cash or test or lead to tests or order to cash, lead to cash, all those buzzwords. But like in terms of just making sure that you're engaging customers to make sure that they are getting what they ask for and embracing that. And then you're also aware of that. Have you got anything you'd like to sort of give to the listeners to think about if they've got that same challenge ahead of them? I would say understand what is meaningful for those individuals and focus on splitting up that data. It might feel like a thankless task initially. So prioritize that, find an area that you're really interested in, but then dig down into that detail and then work out how you provide that specific service to them really, really well. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think my lens on this comes back to that theme that you might have picked up already, but subscriptions Mm -hmm. and not thinking about subscriptions as just being subscriptions, but being about a relationship you're developing with a customer and how you set yourself up for success to support that. And that could entail being proactive in being like, okay, wait, I've got a thousand customers expecting this next month. Who is not going to get it for whatever reason that may be? And therefore I can call them ahead of that. Or how do I make sure that people are engaging with us on a long-term basis so we're not spending a fortune on new customers all the time, but actually building on that existing customer base? And I think that's what we mean by subscription mentality. It's not about only selling subscriptions. It's about thinking about existing customers, building that long-term relationship and supporting that in a proactive manner. Great. Well, I think we'll stop there. Hopefully those of you listening have found this really helpful in terms of the concept of customer lifecycle order to cash, quote to cash, lead to cash, whatever it is that your business is oriented around. Of course, if you'd like to know more, please contact us at Clarisys. Thank you very much. Thanks, Anna. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Nevermind the Pain Points. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favourite podcasting app or site. We would love your feedback, so please leave a review or drop us an email at podcast at And for more information about us, visit our website, clarisys.com.